JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the thickest double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on this Monday. In fact, one of the few days this week in which we will be in studio. I'll tell you the locations that I would love to have you out Wednesday through Friday coming up later on this week because it seems as if it's been a long time since we've been out. Now, that is coming from somebody that's out all the time. So maybe if you miss a week or two in this case, it does feel like a long time. But we get to celebrate together. little time out on the road coming up Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And uh, I'll tell you all about where we're going to be and how you need to be there coming up a little bit later on in the show. A busy show in which I'll get to the bottom line of that coming up in a bit. It was, I don't know if I would call it a, a busy weekend as far as sports were concerned, but you did have some things pop today as you knew that it would. The Colts did sign cornerback Juju Brents and Blake Freeland. The offensive tackle both were a part of that rookie class. Uh, in the draft back in April. And then they finally got Anthony Richardson done as well. You knew it was going to happen. But Anthony Richardson in as well, making that money. So everybody is good. And tomorrow is report day. And we'll talk about all that and more coming up a little bit later on. Uh, Mike DeRocco, who covers the uh, AFC South for ESPN.com, is going to join us. And, of course, Mike, all about uh, what is going on within the division itself. And there is a lot going on within the division. There is uh, major transformations undergoing, with the exception of Jacksonville. When was the last time it felt like, like Jacksonville was the most secure of the organizations? That's like how whacked everything is. And good for them. 
I mean, you realize you have an idiot that was running things, and then you punt the idiot out of there, and you bring in somebody that knows football, that is less concerned about his reflection in the mirror and more concerned about what you're doing on the football field. And now it is the model organization, which I don't know how much that says across the board within the AFC South right now, but now is the model organization of the AFC South. Uh, We'll talk about that and more with Mike within the AFC South because, again, there is a lot to cover just beyond what you're going to witness coming up in the most popular training camp that we've ever seen around here in the history of the Colts being an Indy. Yeah, no question about that. You know, people want to tag this with sellouts. It's not really a sellout. They have just hit capacity with a handful of of these training camp get-togethers. So if you want to get out and see them, then you may want to go ahead and make sure when you log on, you you get those passes in. They're free. But get those passes in because this bad boy is filling up, and it's filling up in a big hurry. A lot of unhappy basketball fans right now. So the skill competition Saturday night – of All-Star Weekend, which is forthcoming in February here in Indianapolis. Uh, uh, Evidently, the way that the ticket sales for Indiana residents only went down left a lot to be desired, both live at Lucas Oil Stadium and online, from what I have heard. I give you a great example, like uh, J. Michael Sims says, I'm sorry for tagging all of you, but this sale of Saturday night tickets to Indiana residents only was a joke. I've been trying to get tickets for the last 48 minutes, and it's 2.48. You barely have time to click a ticket, then it says it's unavailable. And certainly, if you took the path of going down to the stadium itself, that did not give, from what I have heard, any better results for you. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about that over the course of the afternoon as well. But can't wait for you. It's funny. I was watching a little bit earlier today. Actually, on NBA TV, they had the 93 NBA All-Star game. And I had completely forgotten how awesome that was because you had basically the dream team, you know, without Larry Bird, but basically the dream team members of 92 going at one another into an overtime, and these dudes wanted to win. They were going at each other. I mean, it wasn't the lob-throwing, dunking-behind-the-head stuff like that. This was like a game where both the East and the West wanted to win. That one was in Salt Lake City. But... You look back on that, that was enjoyable as hell to watch. I mean, it's when Barkley was obviously in the West with Phoenix and Barkley was going at Ewing, Barkley was going at others, and Malone and Stockton ended up being the co-MVPs. But I was reminded about that a little bit earlier today when that was on, and it was so compelling. I mean, hell, this is stuff that's been down the road. This is stuff that we've seen before, but it was so compelling Then I go, I can't turn this off. This is fun. So hopefully if you're looking for your all-star Saturday tickets, I hope that your story is much better than some of the other stories in which I'm getting right now. Because evidently it did not go over fantastically. 
Greg says, tried to get tickets, terrible experience, clicked on over 50 ticket options over 40 minutes, and just kept getting a pop-up that said, sorry, someone beat you to it. Mm. There's a lot of skivvies as well. Again, hopefully that somebody out there had a much greater, a much better experience than a lot of you that I'm hearing about so far this afternoon. I mentioned Colts camp is underway officially tomorrow with the report date being officially tomorrow. But the uh, rookies get in. Uh, Most notably, Anthony Richardson, uh, the quarterback, gets his early payday here as a rookie quarterback. And then tomorrow, Wednesday, when everything is going to start, I mentioned this, I I don't think we've seen a quarterback under the microscope since, since ever here. I'm trying to think, when was the last time a quarterback has been such under the microscope, especially one like this? And the answer is, you got to go well past the Manning era for that. And then if you go past the Manning era, we know where the interest was then compared to what it is right now. It's not close. It's amazing. It really is. I was talking to yesterday, Dave Griffiths at 59. Dave was in for Hagen. I did 59 last night, and he was asking me questions about, all right, you've been around here forever. So where does this rank as far as you know, levels of importance, interest, if you will, for Colts fans, for Colts training camp? And I said, never. Never have you seen it at this level. Now, there can be good and there can be bad. And who is what I mean by that? The good is the level of interest. And that you're engaged right now. The bad is that interest is coming off one of the worst seasons of all time around here. An absolute clown show that we witnessed around here. I mean, never, never starting training camp have you ever seen anything like that. But it's twofold. It is twofold. It's because it's good that that interest is there because, you know, a lot of folks could have checked out. But as far as you look at it, you know, in the standpoint, you get fans there, but you've never seen it like this over eras in the past. You just haven't. And that's where it all starts with the report date coming up tomorrow. This is where it all gathers steam coming up the day after. And then you talk about being evaluated not just by those out there riding on their pads or typing into their phones or whatever, but, I mean, fans out there watch every single snap, every single throw, every single handoff, every single decision is going to be met in this training camp, again, unlike any other. Because in the past, in the past, you just felt like you knew I mean, even if there was any question with Manning, which to me, if I remember accurately, there was very little, but even if there was any question with Manning back then, with Andrew Luck, it was almost like a foregone conclusion. You were just kind of out there, hey, there's Andrew Luck, and that's great. This is where you're measuring, and you're measuring each and every snap. Report dates coming up tomorrow. Of course, we'll have you covered. I'm there for a couple of night practices as we get into the month of August. Actually, I think midway through the month of August is when I'm going to be out there. 
Uh, that's better than last year because they had a lot of afternoon practices last year, actually midday morning practices, which kind of cut me out of it. So at least twice I am going to be out there. And that should be absolutely fantastic for the first time in a while. Yeah, I know a lot of you want me to get, hey, when are you going to get to the Reds? Got to get to the Reds. I can get to the Reds right now if you want. Five consecutive wins um, with the daunting task of trying to do anything whatsoever against the Brewers coming up beginning later on tonight. Uh, The Brewers, simply put, have had ownership of the Reds. I know that makes our good friend Scott Yaney incredibly happy. That does not make me or other Reds fans out there happy whatsoever. But ownership indeed is the way that it has been. I think over 10, was it like 2 and 8, something like that? So clearly that is a stat within their own division that the Reds need to uh, change around here as they embark on a road trip that begins in Milwaukee. Lance McAllister of 700 WLW is always a fantastic guest. Yeah, he not only can give us that insight, but obviously they're starting camp with the Bengals as well. Their situation, it's funny, you kind of flip the script on their situation. I remember the days, and you guys do too. Remember when Carson Palmer and then Chad Johnson before he was Ocho Cinco, when they would come over and watch a game here like on a Monday night game, they would travel up 74 and then back to come over here to watch a game, watch the Colts perform to see what a real football team is like. To see what a real successful football team is like. You remember those days? I know it it seems like long ago. Because now you get the script completely flipped. I mean, hell, now here is is what the Colts should be doing. On a night in which they have a 1 o'clock, I should say a week in which they have a 1 o'clock start on a Sunday. They're the ones for that special date that should be going to Cincinnati to see what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and company are doing there. I mean, it, seriously, it has been such a major flip, and that's what this group is looking to get back to. Yeah, you know, I mentioned this all the time. You had zero idea what it was like to be a real football team or a real football fan of a real football team until those fleeting moments at the end of the 95 season. And, and believe me, Chris Ballard's been around long enough to where at some point, something's got to happen, right? You got to do something. And you want it to get back to where it was there. And people say, well, no, man, you're just spoiled. You're spoiled. Look what you just talked about with Manning. And look what you talked about with Luck. Baloney, there's no spoiling going on. Maybe for the younger generation, it hasn't lived or walked in the footsteps that we have around here. We firmly know about this organization and large-scale losing. So, yeah, the spoiled stuff, you can save that for folks much younger than me. But for this particular generation, you have every idea. I mean, last year was like a... Yeah, you know, going back, you know, you had multi-years like last year prior, at least prior to Manning. <laughs> so maybe for the younger generation, this is new, but you have no idea what you're doing when you're saying, well, everybody around here is just spoiled. Now, nah, bull crap. That is complete crap. 
And don't let anybody sell you that, too, because, again, what you have been sold on, uh, even with the way that the whole luck era ended, but from Manning to Luck, what you've been sold on is those days are over. This is what an organization is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to run. That's when you're called the top-notch organization. Uh, Last year was not that. I mean, last year it was a clown show. It wasn't a top-notch organization. These are things that absolutely have to change. And you could talk about not making the postseason. I'm just talking about when your organization gets more ink or more press or more video or more social media feedback because it's also laughable in what's going on around it. That's what you got to get. Tomorrow... Tomorrow better mark the beginning of a new era in which was supposed to be year after year after year. Just levels of greatness. You were supposed to be above everybody else. I know that that's easier said than done, but who cares? And I only go off of what's told. You only go off what is told. And that's what we were told. And tomorrow definitely begins the restart of that. There's no doubt. The script has been flipped within the AFC South on how you view Jacksonville compared to, for example, Indy, which is weird. And it's also the same way in terms of the Bengals and the Colts. Lance McAllister can speak regarding all of that, and he certainly will coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour. The authority of Cincinnati sports. I don't get too down when he starts talking about the MLS stuff. I kind of lose a little bit right there. But at the same time, for Reds and Bengals stuff, yeah, nobody going to be better than Lance. Yeah, and I'm going to get to this. I have thought... I have thought a lot this weekend about how I would handle this because it had been a 23-year friendship. And, of course, over the 23-year period, you know, you're not as, as, as close And what I mean by that. There were four years in which we had conversations twice a day, at least every day. I was working in the afternoon with Mark Patrick. He was working in the morning with Mark Patrick. And we met in the middle. This is what we did in the morning. Uh, This is what we did in the afternoon. And, you know, through that, the love of sports, we played on a couple of different media softball league teams. And over that 23-year period... Ron Sexton became a really good friend. And I think a lot that has been lost on Ron's passing over the past couple of days is that his his personality, or his alter ego, if you will, of Donnie Baker was just so mammoth, so huge, so enjoyable to so many. You kind of lose sight that behind that, 
there was an incredibly, I mean, a vastly talented Ron Sexton who started here locally in sports, who worked at MyIndy TV, who worked with Mark Patrick at Wish TV Channel 8, who worked with both or worked at both with Vince Welch and was great at what he did there. I remember meeting Ron. I first started over at WNDE in 2000. Rob Lauer hired me. I I would come in on the weekends, and seriously, I would run like weekend wilderness shows on the uh, then ESPN affiliation that NDE had. I didn't really want to talk on the air, which to some of you right now, you're thinking that's a hell of a plan. But I didn't really want to talk on the air. And at that point in time, I met Ron. He was he was not only you know doing his stuff around here sports wise, but he also he was a full time employee for the Colts. Uh, he was doing and and kind of he, he's putting together like pre and post game shows for the Colts. And then we started you know our friendship basically twenty three years ago with that in mind. But he was great. He was great both in and out of work. You know, I think about some of the great times we've had. One of the best stories, if not the best sports story in the history of this market, and I bring this up often, was the Bill Polian and Jay Moore back and forth radio interview of December of 01. And what kind of gets lost in that is, you know, of course, Mark Mark Patrick was the guy doing the interview, but Mark hardly got an, a word in edgewise, which I think everybody is glad because you had such a tremendous back and forth between Bill Polian and Jay Moore. And if you remember, that was about the condition that Jay Moore went on Jim Rome and talked about regarding Edger and James. He basically said that Bill Polian and the Colts organization, they were lying about the condition of Edger and James, and he had heard that firsthand from Drew Rosenhaus, who was the representation of Edger and James. Uh, unlike anything you would see today, so Bill comes on and the actor-comedian Jay Moore come on, and they just absolutely go at one. Bill Polian was incredible. I've told this story before. Craig Kelly, who was the the former media guru, longtime media guru of the Colts, was trying to hang up the phone. Like, Bill is just railing on Jay Moore. And Jay Moore is saying, you're a madman. I can't believe you're allowed to run an organization. You're crazy. And Bill was going right back at Jay Moore. Craig Kelly, and this has been verified, Tom Telesco, who runs the Chargers he was all with me a couple of combines ago, and he was actually an intern for the Colts at that time. He was in the room and could not believe what was going on. And there's Bill Polian railing, screaming at Jay Moore in a radio interview while fighting Craig Kelly off because Craig Kelly was trying to hang up the phone. He was fighting Craig Kelly off with his right forearm and had the phone to his ear with his left hand. It was amazing stuff. Well, what people forget about is once that interview concluded, so Mark already had scheduled to go watch his son Drew Storen, you know Drew Storen very well now, to go watch him play a junior high game. But the way it was framed up in the media with television around here was that Mark, because of that interview, was taken off the air. 
actually he'd had this scheduled and he left and Ron came in. So I ran the board and Ron was talking afterwards and that is when what happens around here when there are issues during the Manning era? Well, Peyton Manning calls in to clarify those issues. And this is all stuff that I'm going to try to get because I would love to play some of this back. I don't have it right now. But I'm trying to explain to you as best, just beyond Donnie Baker, what Ron Sexton was, what he did, and how talented he was. So all of a sudden, Peyton Manning calls in on the hotline and says, Hey, guys, glad to be with you. I was just driving around listening, and I wanted to make sure everybody understood how great Bill Polian is and how wrong Jay Moore was. I mean, it was amazing stuff. Truly amazing stuff. And Ron did such a tremendous job with Peyton when when he was on the air. Ron developed the Donnie Baker character into just a phenomenal level of fandom. But Ron was also incredible at doing radio, at doing TV. You know, breaking down sports. With Mark Patrick on Mark Patrick's National Fox Morning Show, if you remember that. And then transitioning to the Bob and Tom Show with Donnie Baker. He developed Donnie Baker. There was a character named Steve who used to call into Mark's show all the time. That was Ron. And then that character kind of transitioned into Floyd the Trucker, Kenny Tarmac. Just a number of incredibly funny, memorable phone calls, characters that he brought to the table for the Bob and Tom show. It's so much more than just Donnie Baker, but there's no doubt Donnie Baker was his calling card. And more than just Donnie Baker and more than just you know, being a colleague of mine for so many years here. I mean, basically, I grew into this Indianapolis market. Ron was already established, and I just kind of showed up here. Uh, You could not find a better friend than Ron Sexton. More caring friend, without judgment. You know, I mentioned how much I'm a Reds fan. There's no bigger Reds fan around here than Ron. He named a son after Eric Davis. Biggest Eric Davis fan of all time. And when I got the news on Friday that Ron had passed away, I mean, it it took a major piece of me. And, uh, yeah, it was tough. And it's, it's going to be tough. Because you think about not so much from my standpoint of of missing, you know, my friend, missing somebody I really, truly enjoyed talking to just beyond when Donnie Baker would call into this show. I mean, remember the time when he called in and the next day I got a cease and desist from the Bob and Tom show. But that was that was just all a part of just how memorable all these experiences were both. On and off the air with Ron, the part that really gets me is just such a a big family, you know, just great kids. And a lot of you didn't know how successful he was as a high school baseball coach in the state of Florida for a number of years. I think he won in the neighborhood of 140 games uh, over his handful of years of being a, a baseball coach 
on the high school level in Florida. I know Donnie Baker meant a lot to so many of you out here that are listening, beyond those that are even listening. Uh, But Ron Sexton meant even more to me as a friend, colleague, friend, somebody you could talk to about stuff and would understand, especially somebody like me that just started around here and had no idea really what was going on. It is immeasurable to really properly describe how much Ron meant to me and how much he helped me. I do want to thank the Bob and Tom show because they didn't have to do this, but there were a bunch of press conferences that Ron made up with with local characters and you know his voices. If anybody if anybody can find the best Jim Mercer voice of all time, um, you can tell me because that is Ron Sexton. Jim Mercer, Bill Polian, uh, the late David Benner, our friend Bill Benner, Mark. He had just these glorious press conferences and such that he has. And at some point, I'm going to uh, to get a hold of some of that. And I know that uh, that Tom had given me the heads up to uh, play you bits and pieces. But I, I want to more so than just be sad because this makes me incredibly sad to even talk about it. I, I want to celebrate just somebody who has meant so much to all of us. And again, what he brought to most of you out there with his character, Donnie Baker, being a part of the Bob and Tom show, his live shows in and around central Indiana, uh, to me as a friend. So RIP to our good friend, Ron Sexton, who passed away at, the end of last week, way, way too early, and is going to be profoundly missed. When I give my thoughts to uh, his family, uh, his friends, and again, RIP, you know him as Donnie Baker. I know him as a 23-year friend in Ron Sexton who will truly be missed. Quick break. Back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I am in the parking lot right now, hammering a bacon, egg, and chi, hold the chi, in preparation to go deep with four hits and put on a laser show to the likes of which you have never witnessed in your entire life. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Lance McAllister, top of the hour. Mike DeRocco, ESPN.com. AFC South conversation. Five o'clock. I've got stuff to give away too, right? It is to Rick Springfield and the Hooters, right? Good 80s show coming up at TCU Amphitheater. That's going to be a great one a couple of Saturdays from now. 
Yeah, I saw this too. Friend of the show from Perry Meridian High School, Dylan Windler, has agreed to a two-way contract with the Knicks. Dylan was the 26th overall selection to Cleveland in 2019. Obviously has been battling injuries, but a two-way deal agreement for Dylan Wendler of Perry Meridian High School with the New York Knicks. Friend of the show, Wes Reynolds, writes this. So Ron did the Benner Brothers too? Yeah, he did. Uh, They were some of the funniest ones. Then Bob and Tom would do in the local half hour after the national show was complete. Um, I actually have, and I I, got to go through it first, and a shout-out to uh, Jason Hofsetz, who actually sent it to me. I have a press conference. Ron did so many sports press conferences around here, and I I know that like for the younger generation, you may not completely get it, but most of you out there will absolutely get it, and they were beyond hilarious stuff. And again, I want to thank the Bob and Tom Show and Tom Griswold for allowing me to uh, to do that. But yeah, it was tough. That's it is it is tough. Just beyond you know the fact that uh, it's just very entertaining. Um. Yeah, so many people love the character of Donnie Baker, but man, the Ron the Ron Sexton part. I mean, he was just he was good at he was somebody that you would and I and I didn't, but I, I could see it. It's somebody you could get jealous of because he fits in he fits in anywhere. And uh, that was tough. That was tough. And again, my best to thoughts to his his family and friends. I know right now going through a a tremendously difficult time. But uh, yeah, tough weekend for sure. It's from Jr. Hey JMV, can you ask Lance Lance McAllister top of the hour about Jonathan India's trade rumors? Yeah, they are out there and incredibly firm right now. Reds evidently want pitching in return that they could have some control of. I don't know what you're going to find out there, but they are evidently looking for it. And what was you know, a good weekend for the Reds? Five consecutive wins. I think it's the fifth time this season, maybe more. The fifth time this year they've had a streak of five or more. Of course, the biggest one was 12. But incredibly fun to watch other than when Lucas Sims comes in and I know that he gets the job done most of the time but he just kind of adds <laughs> and the first thing he does every time he comes in it seems like is walks the batter in which he's facing that's the part that drives me nuts more than anything else We'll talk to Lance about that coming up at the top of the hour. Rex writes this. Did anyone locally actually get tickets? Sounds like a feel-good PR move that wasn't real. I will have to ask. And by the way, for the first time ever, this show at JMV 1070 on this thing we're calling X now. X. (laughs) Rebranded as X. I mean, you just, 
Here's what we should do right here. Here's a unique and organic idea. Let's call it X. It's X. Our guy, Big Glenn, got in on the All-Star Saturday night tickets. Um, However, Glenn, Glenn, you're going to be sitting in Section 614. My man Glenn's going to have to take some binoculars with him, maybe even a telescope. Well, we are glad you got in on that one. Uh, C. Fitch writes this. Will you give a shout-out to uh, Nipsco Kokomo, a bunch of great dudes and fans of the show? Absolutely. Hope I pronounced that right. Nipsco Kokomo from our guy Calvin Fitch. And a fantastic group of listeners to this show, and we thank you very much. Yeah, I know a lot of you are trying on this. To me, other than Big Glenn's story of getting through and actually getting tickets in the 600 level, uh, not a lot of you that set out trying to get tickets for the All-Star Saturday Extravaganza ended up getting those tickets for the All-Star Saturday Extravaganza. Uh, IndyCar of the weekend, dominance, back-to-back sweep for one Joseph Newgarden in Iowa. You guys were watching that on Saturday and Sunday, which uh, running strong in Iowa is normally the case for Joseph Newgarden. That's exactly what happened, exactly how it went down. And if you missed me a little bit earlier, too, Anthony Richardson, among the other rookies that remain unsigned, are all signed and good to go. As the Colts report to Grand Park coming up tomorrow. And then we'll find out exactly each and every day about how the quarterback looks. And then continue to have that debate, that argument, whether or not he should be playing or if he's not ready. And Gardner Minshew, the, the part I don't get, I don't know why anybody thinks that Gardner Minshew is going to win that many more games. And I don't know why, I don't know, I don't, like, I don't know where you'd be going with that. Like, there's too much more to be lost with that than to be gained. As I mentioned last week, truly, the only way you want to see, check that, the only two ways you're going to see Gardner Minshew is bad. Ineffective rookie quarterback, not ready, or injury. You're not going to see Gardner Minshew for being good, are you? Oh, everything's good here. Yeah, well, he's just not ready, but everything's good. To me, every conceivable reason in this case, you see Gardner Minshew leads to not a good situation for the Colts. Alex says, I was able to get four seats in all up there in the 600s with Glenn. Did anybody out there, if you got lower than the 600s, in on the All-Star Saturday with the NBA All-Star Weekend. Let me know. I'm just curious. There are a lot more people that got nothing, but it seems like... I was curious, the people that got nothing, did you have the options of the 600s and maybe bailed on the 600s? I could understand it. That is pretty damn far up right there. Did anybody get through 
at all and get good tickets. That's kind of the angle on which I want to present right here. Andrew says it was only the 600s for sale. Mm. Only the 600s. So I thought it was more than just a 600, Derek, but I could be wrong. Quick break, we'll come back. I got your calls. Lance McAllister coming at you at the top of the hour. We'll talk Reds and Brewers underway with a very big end of July, early week set up in Milwaukee, a team that has, unlike a lot of other teams so far this season for the Reds, they've had the Reds number. No question about that. Reds and Brewers tonight, Lance McAllister, that. Bengals report, Lance McAllister with that. And Mike DeRocco around the AFC South, including Colts conversation with their signings of their rookies earlier today. Mike DeRocco coming at you in the 5 o'clock hour. Jason says, yes, they had plenty of options for tickets, but only the 600s. So no thanks. From Jason right there. Quick break, we'll come back. 93.5107 by the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, evidently, according to Rick, only option he had was the 600s and could not even get those. So I guess if you got in for the 600s, like Big Glenn, more power to you on that bad boy. It sounds like that it was incredibly difficult to do right there. Uh, 35 plus minutes online kept saying the tickets I was purchasing were purchased by other customers. Yeah, it's tough for me not being involved in it, not actually doing it, trying to understand what you guys went through. But it seems like that some of you went through a lot. Uh, JMV, does this day in baseball history have meaning for you? It does. 1983. What is that? 40 years ago? 1983 was the George Brett Pine Tar incident at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. I will say this. <laughs> While ridiculous as hell, the late manager, Billy Martin, who waited until it was a big George Brett moment, and George Brett had many a large moment in his history as a player against the Yankees. I mean, big moments. His team most of the time wasn't, but he was a Yankee killer. So George Brett waited. Now check that. Billy Martin waited for George Brett and a George Brett moment, a George Brett-like moment against the Yankees when a two-run shot put the Royals up by run and went out and then... It was absolute hilarity when home plate umpire Tim McClellan ruled Brett out after measuring the pine tar on his bat across home plate. It was just great. That is great stuff. Now, ultimately, 
I think it was Lee McPhail, the American League commissioner then, um, had them go back and play the game, and it went through courts and crap like that. And they went back and played the game, or ended the game, and the, the Royals ended up getting the win. But this was fantastic. 1983, the Pine Tar game with George Brett right there. Yeah, you got to go back. <laughs> I think Bobby Mercer, the late Bobby Mercer, was a longtime Yankee analyst. And he actually said before, he goes, you know what? You could get tossed out for this. <laughs> and nobody thought at the time he was going to get tossed out, and he did. Hey, JMV, thank you for saying what you said regarding the late Ron Sexton. Ron was such a huge part of so many people's lives, family, fans, friends like you. Hopefully, Bob and Tom will continue to allow you to share his best in you and your audience going forward. RIP Ron Sexton. Thank you, RC, for that. I also just wanted to bring up the fact that he had a great deal of success in a handful of years coaching baseball for a high school in Florida. He loved baseball, was a very good local softball player. I remember when I got here and I played softball all the time in Bloomington. He played softball all the time up here. I think the dude was playing every night of the week. And then this was back when we used to have, there was a media league that played on Tuesday nights out on the west side. And he always played with us, too. Uh, then Clear Channel over there. He was just a great dude. I mean, all the way around. Just a great dude. Lance McAllister joins us coming up at the top of the hour. Mike Duraco in the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, Rick's up first today. Hello, Rick. How's it going, JMB? So how was your All-Star ticket buying, All-Star Saturday ticket buying experience? Oh, it was nuts. So I I logged in in the queue, and I was 2,000. There was like 2,000-plus people ahead of me. And then when I finally got in to buy tickets, all that was available was six the 600 level. And, yeah, I probably did it 20, 25 times, and it kept saying a fan beat me to it or, you know, tickets weren't available. So I don't even know what, how anyone got in. Has anybody – I know they've happened before – trying to watch basketball on the 600 level. That seems like that that's – a large task to me. Yeah, I don't even think it would have been enjoyable. So it's I, mean, yeah, I, I guess you would be there. I mean, some of the people just want the experience of being there. And I said, this is an event that hasn't been here since 1985, and people just want to be there. And maybe you just don't care where you are as long as you're in the building. But, man, yeah, as far as trying to see something, that seems to be tough. Right. And, and I mean, the tickets were only – Anywhere from twenty four to forty nine dollars, so it's not they weren't charging much. So I right. guess if you want to be there, it's probably worth it. Did you end up getting tickets? Nope, oh. never got one. I even tried to do single tickets, and I couldn't even get one ticket. And here comes the secondary market here soon, right? <laughs> yep, <laughs> there'll be more than twenty four and forty nine dollars. I bet you. So. Oh yes, hundred. Well, buddy, I'm sorry about your experience right there, but uh, keep plugging away. All right, thanks, man. You got it, Rick. Thank you. JMV, they didn't promote All-Star Saturday as a get-your-foot-in-the-door-and-be-happy paying $79 for 600-level seats event. I was able to get tickets but was disappointed at 600-level only. 
didn't really have time to look because they were going so fast. JMV started here and got nothing. Still going to go downtown and enjoy some beverages, as you should. Brandon Reef, I tried and no dice. Oh, Brent Baker, man. Don't forget about Ron's Wiffle Ball team name, the Sexpos. <laughs> Completely decked out on Expo hats and jerseys. The Sexpos. I don't know if he went by this, but there was a time when he would come in and he would be in for Mark or, you know, have his own show doing sports talk. Um, I thought for a time he went, it went by the title Sex and Sports. And that, that's our friend Ron Sexton right there. The Sexpos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to, if you don't mind, and please indulge me in this. If you don't mind, I am more than occasionally going to to rehash and think about, especially as they occur to me. I tried to collect my thoughts all weekend long on it, but I also didn't want to write anything down because I wanted this to be as as truly from my heart as possible and come, come across that way. But there is so much stuff that I will just in that moment, think about and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, when he worked for the Colts, I know that he got called into Bill Polian's office once, too. That was the Mark Patrick Kevin Spencer story. The Forbidden Hallway. Uh, Greg is up next at 239 1070. Hello, Greg. JP, how are you? Greg, I'm great. How are you? Yeah, say sorry, sorry for your loss, man. That's uh, yep. uh, I've, well, I'm going through something it, similar with a 44 years old man. It's not not fair. Well, Greg, and thank you so. for saying that too. And it's it's an hour loss too because he meant so much to to people that um, certainly knew him personally and had a longstanding friendship. But those that just knew him by by Donnie Baker, it, it's a loss for so many. No question. Thank you. For sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I had a different experience with the, the tickets today. I got in a queue at like 10, 10 till 2. I had 2,000 people ahead of me. Um, it started dwindling down, said I was up, gave me some options of 24, 49, and 79. Yes, they were all in the 600 levels, but at $24, I didn't expect anything different. Um, I clicked on it, and uh, I got tick- Like it was, it, it, it was pretty seamless for me. Really? Um, now, that Ticketmaster did give some some hints and tips prior to about like having your credit card uploaded, ready to go, all those kind of things. So I don't know if that helped, but that's just what I went through. So yeah, your situation sounded a hell of a lot easier and uh, a little yeah. more seamless than everybody else. I think you're kind of the exception to the rule. Is it because you like read the tips and the rules that they gave? Is that why? No, here's my theory. Yep. Um, I lost out on the lottery on bananas tickets twice this year, <laughs> and I think it was karma for me not to be able to go see the bananas earlier that I was able to get these for the uh, for the Saturday night festivities. Gotcha. All right. Well, karma, karma can play. I believe in karma, a significant role in a lot of things, right there, Greg, for sure. I'm glad you got the tickets, man. Enjoy that. Thanks, man. Everything was 600 level. Charles says, spent 15 minutes trying to get tickets for the NBA All-Star Saturday. Every time I tried, it said someone else got those tickets. 
But again, Charles Gregg just explained that he got in there and, and got him. There are a few stories like that. But at the same time, they do exist. Quick one, we'll come back. Mike DiRocco, we're going to start officially our AFC South breakdown going to training camp conversation with Mike in the 5 o'clock hour. I've got Rick Springfield, Hooters, Tommy Two-Tone, and somebody else is going to be there too, but it's going to be great. TCU Amphitheater coming up here in August. What's going to be a great 80s show. I got tickets for you a little bit later on. Uh, Reds, big one beginning tonight in a early week set in Milwaukee. Lance McAllister, that some Bengals reporting to camp conversation and more with Lance from the big one next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Please, uh, three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, that David Dobbs tweeted at me a little bit earlier and said that he needed, in need of this particular re-entry today from the late Bill Weathers. Lovely day. This song, among a couple of others, always makes me feel better. So think about that in terms of if you were in line this afternoon and did not get All-Star Saturday 600-level tickets. Keep that in mind. Thank you, Damon, for that heads up. I think we all needed that. Uh, meantime, Mike DiRocco, AFC South Conversation, Colts Report coming up tomorrow. We'll be up there for, I think, both Bears night practices coming up in August, too. That should be fun. And again, if you've not secured those free tickets yet, you may want to because this is the most popular training camp that I have seen since I have been around here. That includes the start of the Manning era, the start of the Luck era. Because this one just goes different with such an incredible mystery surrounding a quarterback that you have not seen a lot of, but what you have heard is, oh, wow, after oh, wow. Back to that coming up in just a bit, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, you can catch him breaking down Reds games on extra innings. You can catch him talking about sports in general on 700 WLW. He is a friend of the show. Reds got a big one to start the week. Get into that in a second. Lance McAllister joins us. What's that feel right now as you guys embark on the early stages of Bengals camp over there? I think there is a uh, belief that this team can win a Super Bowl. I think what Joe Burrow has done is provide belief every year he's here. They went out and they uh, they took a big swing with, to get Orlando Brown for the offensive line. That's been the, the kryptonite for this team. And uh, I think everybody's hope is just get from now to week one without any injuries and everybody's uh, willing to take their chances from there. Hey, Lance, I, I've known previously over the years what Cincinnati fans have felt about Mike Brown. What's their feeling about him nowadays? 
I think there is a belief that, that there's more. I don't want to say this. I don't want to say more of a confidence in him. I think the confidence comes from a the perception of a lesser role for him. You know, he's approaching 90. He's clearly taken a step back in recent years. And whether it's uh, Katie Blackburn, his daughter, or those in the infrastructure, I think they've become much more of a voice and a decision maker in this process. And I think that leaves everybody comfortable based on the results over the last uh, couple of years. He's more of the overseer. I don't want to say he, he defers on everything. He, he will always tell you he gets final say. But uh, I, I think everybody likes the uh, kind of the, the process and the decision-making by this organization now. And there's no question. They've been one of the most aggressive teams in free agency the last couple of years. And I, I think he lives by the, the mantra of his dad from decades ago, winning makes believers of us all. And I think Joe, uh, Joe Burrow has made believers of him and everybody in the organization and everybody around the city. He is Lance McAllister of 700 WLW. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You're talking about winning, making believers. Um, combine the Bengals with what the Reds are doing right now at this point of the season. When was the last time collectively you saw the Cincinnati sports market this excited about his professional teams? Well, and I'm going to throw one more in, which is going to ramp it up to an area I don't. I don't have a comparison. The team in town, FC Cincinnati, right now leads in the supporters' shield, which means they have the best record in all of MLS. And there's clearly a building anticipation of the University of Cincinnati moving into the Big 12, and Xavier's always Xavier. So you align all of those together, and I, there's nothing I can compare it to because there's never been that third, well, going back to the 70s with the Cincinnati Royals and the NBA, there hasn't been that third professional component, and it's just not a component. FC Cincinnati is, is setting the pace for all of MLS soccer right now. So you add that in, and let's just go from the days that you remember of of the two, the NFL and the MLB team. Collectively, has it ever been this exciting? I don't think so. I mean, you probably, the argument would be somewhere back in the late 80s into 90. Bengals went to the Super Bowl in 88. Bengals won the, or the Reds won the World Series in 90, right around that area. Uh, There's been different pops and little windows, but man, you you added up now, and and I think the key thing is, the youth of both organizations. I mean, both the Bengals and the Reds and even FC Cincinnati are being driven by guys in their mid to late 20s, so there's a sense of a sustainability and the arc pointing up and really just getting started. There are many guys uh, on the back nine of their career right now. I mean, other than Joey Votto, there's really nobody. It's, uh, Lance McAllister is with us. All right. What what has been, and obviously the thorn in the side of the Reds this year, has certainly been the Milwaukee Brewers. They have lost in watching in a variety of ways against the Brewers, but in large part it always seems like the Brewers pitching, especially starting pitching, has had the edge here. How do you turn the tables against this team beginning later on tonight, Lance? You hit on, hit on it, the pitching. Um, the Brewers have figured out uh, whatever the, I don't know if it's one weakness or, or multiples, but they have solved the riddle that is a, a Reds offense that can be very explosive and is very deep top to bottom. I mean, I, I would say the depth of this lineup, I would feel comfortable debating against almost any other team in Major League Baseball, maybe with the exception of the Braves or Rangers. But I mean, Will Benson is batting nice this Reds team, and he's approaching 300. But the Brewers in the 10 games, 
have allowed 29 runs to this Reds team. The Reds have hit, I think, a buck 70 against them in the 10 games, and they've struck out uh, 104 times. So the Reds just haven't been able to hit. The, the pitching's been fairly decent. I mean, yeah. hell, the Reds uh, lost or shut out by him three times in a row just 10 days ago, and the Reds pitching only gave up five runs, and they lost all three games. So unless they figure out a way to hit, they're going to have problems with this team. Uh, Lance, I'll be honest with you, especially in this, the second half after the All-Star break, I, I think if you're a Reds fan, you have to be happy with most of the pitching that we have seen, correct? No doubt about it. I mean, the way – I mean, had you told me at the start of the season this team will be leaning on heavily Andrew Abbott, I would have said, well, wait a minute, Andrew Abbott pitched in double-A last year and he's going to start this year as he did in double-A. You're going to rely on Ben Lively, who was pitching in Korea last year and was a Reds' first-round pick way back in 2014 who's come back. But they have leaned on them, and the amazing thing is – this season to start was going to be the progress, and I was asked this a thousand times, how do you measure success for this team? And I said, it's simply going to be the development of Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. Hunter Green's been on the DL, Graham Ashcraft, or uh, Nick Lodolo's been on the IL, and Graham Ashcraft has come back and started to kind of get back to his old self, but they've been missing two-fifths of this rotation for a really long time. Lodolo's been out for about 75 days and I don't want to say they don't miss them. They, they do, but I, I, I marvel at how David Bell and, uh, and uh, their their coaches have kind of pieced this thing together. The uh, the Weaver stat in his starts is absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. In his last ten starts, they're nine and one, and his earned run average is approaching nine. <laughs> it makes no sense. It, it just and for whatever reason it is, some pitchers get run support, some don't. The classic case here years ago was Mario Soto, who was a hell of a pitcher, and the Reds never yep. scored for him. Yep. Now, forty years later, it's Luke Weaver of all people, who you know you kind of hold your breath and duck and cover when he takes them out. But the Reds' offense perks up for whatever reason, and they score runs for it. Now, I would argue that is certainly not sustainable, and the sooner they could fix that issue, the, the better. But I don't know how they're going to do that. <laughs> It's so funny because you cringe when you see him getting the start, but it has been so good for them in those games. You got to keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. You know, he, like yesterday, he pitched four innings and it was four shutout innings, but the in the fourth, he gave up two two out hits in the fourth and they're still leading three nothing but you just had a sense like all right he's kind of reached that point where he's hit the top and now he's going back down the other side (laughs) and it's part of baseball that i know infuriates people but he's one of those true guys if a team sees him a third time through the batting order look out and the reds are very careful of that they really if they can help it don't want a team to get a third time around the batting order crack at him because they start teeing off and it kind of happened yesterday well and and i I don't know if i I am justified to feel this way, but when Lucas Sims comes in, here's what I think. Um, I, I automatically think, well, he's going to make matters worse before things get better. <laughs> why, why is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, there, there's. You know, it's funny you say that because there's moments I look at him and I say, man, that dude just rears back and throws as hard as he can, and there's not enough to him beyond that. And then there are times he will make a pitch when he absolutely has to make yeah. a pitch. So it's that double play ball. That double play ball yesterday was exactly what you're talking about here. Yes. Yes. And and I, I, they, they they live and die with him, and and I'll I'll take him because 
that bullpen needs him, but they just keep asking so much out of this pen. I mean, consider they needed six arms that followed Luke Weaver yesterday to cover five innings. Now, they didn't give up a run, but the domino effect is six arms yesterday, you know, kind of interferes with what you ultimately want to do tonight. Fortunately, and I give David Bell credit, he resisted to the very end not using Alexis Diaz for the third straight time. That was a big game to win yesterday, but I think he knew, my guy, my horse is getting tired. I've got a big series coming up. I'm just going to have to suck it up and try to get through this game with somebody other than him, and they did, and they'll have him fresh for tonight. He is Lance McAllister. Nobody knows Cincinnati sports better than Lance with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. So we talked about uh, that matchup with the Brewers and the Reds this big uh, early week setup in Milwaukee. We also approach the MLB trade deadline and as of recently there's a lot of chatter surrounding Jonathan India for pitching at some point here. What do you think the Reds end up doing? What would be an ideal situation for Nick Crawl and company to pull off prior to the trade deadline? I would in a in an ideal world I'd like to see them maybe add a a veteran starting pitcher and another arm uh, but I don't want a rental pitcher. Um, I want somebody who's controllable for at least next season. And then that leads us into the conundrum of, all right, what are you willing to give up? You know you know how it is. People here say, well, let's give them uh, Nick Senzel and uh, a bunch of prospects or guys hitting 180 <laughs> at AAA, and that'll get a, um, you know, Justin Verlander. Yes. And it's the old saying, you, you got to give up something to get something. The reality is this wasn't supposed to be happening this year. They weren't supposed supposed to be in this position and yet i go back to the baseball gods always decide what year you contend you don't pick the year so you can't let the window pass for this year but man i'd be very hesitant to give up you know every time somebody wants to give up a prospect i remind them you're giving up six years of control of that player if it's you know their top prospect right now in the system is noel v Marte. if you give him up you give up six years of major league control of that guy and i know there's no guarantees of how good he's going to be but this organization's big on the sustained success and they've worked so hard to build it with young players I think he walks a, a, a tightrope right now and how to how to address this thing. You know, ultimately, if Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green were here or coming back in the next couple of weeks, I think everybody would feel better. But oddly, um, with each passing day, it's like their timeline keeps getting pushed. <laughs> it like, does. Well, yeah. now Hunter might be here the end of August, and Nick might be here early September. And originally, it was early August. So I'm thinking, well, you know, what what, what is it, and what's up? Are they coming back at all? And those, I mean, the reality is, if you knew they were coming back, there's no team in baseball that would be able to add pieces like Nicoladolo and Hunter Green like the Reds, and it wouldn't cost them anything. But who knows? This team cannot have enough insurance runs. We have noticed that you can't have enough insurance runs. Now, Lance, you you mentioned, and and this is rightly so, the Reds would like to get somebody in return prior to the trade deadline that's a pitcher and would have some reasonable – control into next year have you maybe looked at the market to see what pitchers might represent what the reds and nick crawl could be looking for here yeah i mean the the, the names i i see here talk about most often are, are names the white Sox seem to come up a lot because they have they have three guys who somehow worked their way into most conversations and that's uh, either Dylan Cease or Lance Lynn or Lucas Giolito, and each of those are of different age and different money and different years of control. Um, so it's 
I, I don't know. I To this point, it doesn't seem like there's been much traction. That seems to be the big word. A lot of phone calls made, but not much traction. Because you know how it is. If I'm another general manager and Nick Crawl is calling me, I already have my list out, and I'm saying, all right, you've got a rich system of prospects. Let's talk. I'll start with Ellie De La Cruz. And Nick's going to, you know, pass out, and then he's going to wake up, and then he's going to say, I'm not dealing you, Ellie De La Cruz. And then the list will be, all right, how about Matt McLean? And then it'll be no. And then eventually it gets down to Noel V. Marte and Christian Encarnacion Strand and guys like that. And I just, I, I think Nick's going to resist doing that. Lance McAllister with us. You brought up a great point. You and I talked about this the last time you were on. It, it just it would stand to reason that it would be tough to see this success of the Reds uh, because you know, the balance hasn't been there the entire time. Sustainable. D- do they look at it that way? Um, do the fans look at it that way? Because I think that would like temper the enthusiasm of giving away a lot of your youth for this really quick in-and-out type of pitching yeah. situation. Are, are the fans understanding of that? I think there's a little bit of both. There's a little bit of... Um... Uh, there's a little bit of hesitancy and um, some who don't fully commit to this team because they fear that whichever player they fall in love with, this team will eventually trade because that's what they've done with. Pick your player, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo. And my argument is that was then, this is now. They've arrived at a different point in the organization. The ownership gave the green light to the general manager this time to do what he had to do. So I don't believe they operate in the old ways of selling off guys. Um, so there's a little bit of hesitancy that they think, well, no matter who is young and good on this team, they'll eventually they won't be able to afford them. And I argue that's you know six down years down the road before free agency. Don't worry about it. Then there's somebody like even my dad. I had a conversation with my dad the other day, and he said I would rather lose the division by a game than trade somebody like Christian Encarnacion, Strand, or Nuelve Marte. And I can understand that way of thinking. This year has been fun. It's more than anybody could have possibly expected or asked for. I just don't want to, quote-unquote, go for it because it's just one year. I I think they have a system that could be as – you know, people hate the Cardinals around here, but they also marvel at the Cardinals have been year after year after year able to bring up guys from the system who just hit and pitch and hit and pitch, and it drives us crazy here. Well, the Reds are in a position right now to be able to keep bringing up guys who hit and pitch, hit and pitch, if they don't get crazy at the trade deadline. All right, Lance, this may be a shot in the dark, and I'm kind of curious your thoughts on it, too. You know, year before last, you had that uh, really bad quote, you know, where else are you going to go from from ownership there? And I'm curious, does that quote follow around and motivate ownership maybe more so in a go-for-it category this year than it might? Again, considering that is a dark cloud that hangs over its head, is that thought about whatsoever, or is that now gone? I think there's a lingering understanding that at some point, the way the fans have responded this year, and Nick Crawl said it yesterday with uh, with Jim Bowden on MLB Radio when he said, look, we're, we're getting big crowds, we're getting sellouts, we're getting 40,000 fans. I think they've had eight sellouts this year. And Nick, the general manager and vice president, admitted that gives them funds, some money to play with. And I, I think that... You know, that needs to be said. The fan base needs to hear this. There's an acknowledgement from the organization. Hey, we see you. We hear you. We count you going into the ballpark. 
and we understand that we have an obligation to be smart here, but we have an obligation to, I don't know if reward is the right way, but to at least some extent pay you back for your support and your buy-in after all we've put you through. If you're going to come here and support us and we have the funds coming in, we can't let that at least stand in the way of doing something if it means adding a pitcher. And from my way of looking at it, the easiest way for the Reds to add at the trade deadline is to take on a contract to, to absorb some money to lessen the quality of player they're going to have to give up, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, right. It's easier to buy something than to, to, than to give up talent. And you, you need to find a team that's looking to move some money off the books and say, we don't really want to give up this guy, but we don't want to pay him, pick your number, $10, 12000000 million next year. Maybe the Reds uh, consider, well, you know, we got some more money to play with. He'd be under control for another year. We don't have to, we have to give up a lesser prospect because we're taking on money. I think it, you have to consider something like that. So activity is what you expect, though. Right prior to the trade deadline. I do. Here. I, yeah, I, I don't think they can stand pat. I don't think it's going to be in the pecking order. I don't think they're going to go crazy. I mean, they're not going to. I don't think they're going to knock the socks off of everybody. But I don't think they'll be dormant and kind of fold their hands and say we're good with what we've got. I, I think, and this will be frustrating for some fans to hear. I think it'll be somewhere in between. So, Jonathan India, part of this thing later on this year, or is he going to get traded? I, I think that's fascinating, and that's the report today from MLB Network that the Reds have made him available. On one hand, he plays a non-premium position. I mean, not to be mean, but second baseman are a dime a dozen. On a team that's very, very flexible with position availability, he only plays second. They've got a surplus of middle infielders here, and they've got a surplus of middle infielders down below. So this would be a classic dealing from a surplus to fill a need. It's just, and I, I really like Jonathan India, but I always try to tell fans, get on the other side of the table. If I'm another GM, I'm just not giving up a lot for Jonathan India. I like him. But, I mean, is he worth giving up a proven major league pitcher that would really help this team? I, I, I don't know. I'd love, to, I'd love to know, but I just I don't know that he – he would just blow anybody away I, I because he just he hasn't been his rookie of the year self um, for a season and a half now. No, and, and you're 100% right. It's almost like, you know, what average fans view as a trade. It's like, hey, a guy that's not performing to the level right now for, you know, your dude. And that's yeah. <laughs> that's all the, always the way that it is, but really rarely ever the way that it goes down. Yeah, no question. No hey, by question. the way, too, you mentioned soccer. You mentioned the Reds and the Bengals. But the Western and Southern Open, could you guys get any better names in the world of tennis globally than what you guys have coming in in August? Wow. I'll tell you what, that event, I say this every year. I, I have uh, My wife and I have, uh, were there for, I think we went 13 straight years, and it was always our date night. We picked a Friday or Saturday night. And that experience For as much as I love baseball and football, that experience at that tournament, the way they do it upright from food, drink, shopping, music, the eclectic mix of people who come in from around the world. I'm not talking talking just players, but fans. It is one of the coolest events to see tennis in person and to be able to see over the years uh, Serena and Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. It has been a truly remarkable event. And I, I don't overstate this when I say I would be heartbroken if we lose this event. I think we are going to lose it. But it is a it is just a top-notch killer event, and I love it. Where, where does it end up going? I don't know. The The... 
initial story was Charlotte because the owner of all this is from Charlotte and he's got a gazillion dollars, but there's been other names and locations tossed around. I just don't know how, if you own it and you're, you're in Charlotte, why you'd want to own it and keep having it in Cincinnati. Maybe I'm missing something basic in all this. Yeah, because of Kings Island and yeah, Jungle Gyms and Kings Island. That's enough. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what the the way the, the one of the big things that the players love about the event in Mason, and that's about a half hour north of Cincinnati. Yeah. They're not caught up in the downtown. They're taken care of by the tournament people, and there's not that immediate rush of the downtown crowd. And the not that there's a hustle and bustle in Cincinnati. We're not New York, but you're kind of away from things. And I'm telling you, they will tell you they are treated as well at that event in Mason as they are in any event. Uh, including some majors around the country. It is just really top-notch tennis and uh, and a presentation. I'm thinking about you on date night right now at this tennis tournament eating a hot fudge sundae like George Costanza. Is that what happens? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, and I've had the conversation, I want to be a ball boy sometimes, so then I would be Kramer. So. <laughs> the, ball, the ball man. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, um, a big one to start the week, no doubt about that. A big one that you can hear as a part of the big one, and then extra innings with Lance McAllister on the big one, 700 WLW in Cincinnati. Lance via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pile Always an absolute pleasure. We'll check in again relatively soon, Lance. Thank you. Always a blast. Love doing it. Look forward to doing it again. Take care. Lance McAllister on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I'm telling you, look up Western and Southern Open. And it is like a who's who of the world of tennis at this thing in Cincinnati coming up in about 18 days. It is pretty incredible. I love that that Seinfeld. Cincinnati's got so many great references. I have not been literally. The last time I went to Kings Island, because I was about to drop a a beast reference. Hey, does Djokovic go over and ride the beast? Well, that is way, way back. The last time, and I used to go annually because Eastern, we had, and I don't know how many of you went through high school and had something similar. We had our class trip at the end of the school year where we all loaded up in two buses. That's all it took for a class at Eastern Green, two buses, and drove US 50 to Cincinnati to go to Kings Island. And it was it was one of those trips. We did that basically from junior high all the way through high school. It was one of those trips where you always made sure the cool parents, you know what I mean? The cool parents were the chaperones. And I don't know how this, I'm assuming that the parents actually knew, you know, how we were conspiring to make sure we got the cool parents going. But the cool parents were always the chaperone because if you remember, there was nothing better than a lengthy bus ride. Now, if you know, the, the chaperones were that cool. Uh, it could be a bit of a problem because U.S. 50s curvy and up and down and all that make you a little bit sick. But that was always awesome. And the last time, this was even after high school, the last time I was at Kings Island, the true story, I went to a couple of Reds games that weekend and Bip Roberts was playing left field. And he was like a Swiss Army knife in baseball and of the Reds back then. 
But the Reds' left fielder was Bip Roberts the last time I went to Kings Island. It has been forever. And it used to be every single year. But there are a lot of things to mention in Cincinnati. Jungle gyms, which again is a rite of passage if you go over there. Yeah, Yingling used to be a rite of passage, but now you can get it here. But that Western and Southern Open is huge if you're a fan of global tennis. And again, it's a who's who of men and women there. Cincinnati is at maybe the highest point that I can recollect. Because even as he mentioned, even in the late late 80s and early 90s, it wasn't like the Bengals and the Reds were having this level of success together. Yeah, good for them. Hopefully one of these days relatively soon, both Colts and Pacer fans can track that down. Nah, man, seriously. Yandy says, I love you and Lance, but I'm afraid you guys aren't going to like another series with my brew crew. Crazy how much they are playing each other lately. I completely agree with you. I do. I mean, I, I am prepared for the worst. I am prepared for the worst. I've seen great five in a row. All right, great. But I'm prepared for the worst because this matchup in 10 games has been completely opposite of what any Reds fan has wanted. Quick break and we shall return. Top of the hour, Mike DiRocco, ESPN.com. We'll get some report dates for all those across the landscape of the AFC South, including the model organization in the division, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Colts, of course, report tomorrow. Anthony Richardson, the rookies are now in contractually. We'll get to the numbers for the rookie Colts quarterback for you coming up on the other side. Mike DiRocco, top of the hour. Tickets to give away also coming up on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Everybody freeze. Everybody down on the ground. Well, which is it, young feller? You want I should freeze or get down on the ground? If I freeze, I can't rightly drop. And if I drop, I'm going to be in motion. You see? Shut up! Okay, then. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Got some weather brewing in the area. Let me a quick hitter or two around here. Not a one-hitter, a quick hitter. One-hitter would be good if you were seeing these guys. Quick hitter would be these storms, these small cells that are passing through central Indiana right now. So be aware of that. If anything drops as far as uh, warnings are concerned, uh, if you're not getting the jacket off weather just yet, I will help you out here on your drive home. Thank you very much for joining us, Lance McAllister of 700 WLW. A little bit earlier, that podcast at 1075thefan.com. Jim McCann of Southern California chimes in. I see this Reds and Brewers series as big but not huge. With these being the final three times they meet this season, it will come down more to what these teams do against the Cubs, the Cardinals, and their West Coast swing 
And while I understand it as far as the rest of the way, being 2-8 and eight against what is now bound to be at the top of this division, your division rival needs to change for the Reds. And it has been all about the dominance of that Brewer pitching staff against Cincy. That's what you want to see change. But there is still such a long way to go. And I know we're all together on this. If you're a Reds fan, you just kind of wait for them to hit a tough point again. But I, I think you do have more confidence that at some point they can pull it out and then get on a bit of a run themselves. Yeah, the Jonathan India stuff, you know, I understand that they have a lot in the infield for him. I just don't know what people believe they're going to get significantly enough in what they want in return. Uh, we shall see. JMV, what do you think about the new X version of Twitter? I guess I have to call it at JMV1070 on X. I, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, it still looks like Twitter to me. But it is now called X. Thank you very much. All right, 239-1070. Let's get Butch on the horn here. Butch, hello. Hey, JMV. A uh, couple of quick issues. Yes. I, uh, well, item one, the wife and I listened to the JMV takeover for about an hour two weeks ago. Did you like it, Butch? It was great. I, we both said, man, that JMV's got mad skills. It, <laughs> you ran, it was awesome. It was awesome, and uh, uh, I, I, tr- I thought it would call in for a request, but I didn't, you never said the phone number. Oh, really? Because I, yeah, I normally but, say it all the time because it's got a sponsor. Well, indeed, I, I, maybe I missed it, but no, that's we, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Well, and if you if it was the week like we had a ton last week, but we did the the nineties uh, the the week before this past, and I, I took over one hundred and eighty request it was really tough to get through well and then i didn't miss anything other than <laughs> yeah. just, we, we enjoyed it though thank you butch i appreciate that i i really enjoyed doing it it's like it's a decompression moment for me because oftentimes if the winning's not happening here butch we're like we're complaining about a lot of stuff where yeah. there's always complaining going on. But with that, there's never any complaining. Everybody's just kind of all in to having a really fun six hours every Saturday night, and it's a hell of a way for me to decompress with you guys, plus bringing back an era of radio, which I have no idea other than than people being cheap, you would not want to bring back because listeners love it. In a world in which radio has to battle against so many different other outlets, I have no idea why you wouldn't want to be more. And I'm glad they don't because I like being one of one with this, but I don't right. know why you'd want to bring that aspect of, of caller request, you know, in studio with the call are kind of back and forth more in this era of radio, but I'm glad I'm one of one. Well, you know, the a comment on that is uh, management tends to overthink everything anymore, you know. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, even like the, the Pacers. Oh, we couldn't use Trace, Jackson, Davis, or they didn't fit in, matchup problems, Edie. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. The dumbest people I've ever seen run these franchises, including the Colts. If they don't sign Jonathan Taylor, 
to an extension. I mean, this guy's a, with a with a capable line, and if, if he's healthy, he can go over six per per carry. Like, and nobody else in the league can do that, and he can set that young quarterback up for success. But somehow they overthink. No, it is, you know, hey, Butch, that's a have to, Butch, right there. That is a have to, and you you speak the truth. And it's not just for this year, but it's for next year as well. You have to have him here because, as I've said, the situation is massively different than others in terms of how they view, view the running back position. Completely agree with you. Absolutely. Hey, I've got my all time NBA first team. You want it? I'm ready. Okay. And. This is uh, – I've, I've watched, I've seen every one of these players play. Uh, uh, so, you know, I go back pretty far, so it's just not in the last six or seven years. It goes back. All right, here's, a th- here's my five, and I could defend them in any argument, and they would beat any team anybody else establishes. Okay. At center, from Kansas – through the Globetrotters, seven foot one, Wilt Chamberlain. I thought you were going to say Greg Ostertag. I'm glad you said Chamberlain. Well done. Yeah, no, Ostertag's yeah. on the third team. <laughs> okay, uh, Chamberlain's the power, there. I got you, Butch. Yes. The power forward from the University of Houston, Akeem Elijahwan, a beast who can do everything. He's my four. At three, there is no question, and I'm not a huge Bird guy because he left IU, but Bird is absolutely the best small forward, if you call him that or whatever they call him anymore. He is the best forward I've ever seen. He's my three. Okay, Butch. Gotcha. At two, and this was a t- tough choice, but I'm going with LeBron James from Akron, Ohio, as my – there's a guard who can go down low and switch around and, you know, LeBron's game. And my starting point guard, Isaiah Thomas, the best point guard I ever saw in both college and the NBA. That's my starting five. There it is, Butch. There it is. There it is. Hey, thank you very much for you and your wife listening to Do It Again, okay, to the Jamvy Takeover. There's Butch's starting five right there. I thought, sure, he was going with Ostertag. That's nice. And it's nice that he listens. I don't know when he might have caught that show when I didn't give out the, the hotline number two, which is... I think I gave it out. Like, I took 180-plus calls last week. I think it was in the neighborhood of 160-plus over the weekend this past weekend. But it was a lot. You're right about that. I mean, that's you get the overthinking folks out there. That's why when I uh, – when somebody wants to give me consultation, it's not like I sit here and act like I know it all because I don't. But when somebody that has not sat here, not been here, um, try, I go, uh, all right. <laughs> yes, sure. That's great. And here's how you do that. You shake your head. And you go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then you continue to do what you've done for 20 years here. Oh, yeah, great idea. Okay. All right, then. <laughs> I'm telling you, Butch, Butch is the man. 
Come on, Jeremy, man. That's Butcher's starting five. Loves Isaiah, loves LeBron. Love Butch. And I love Butch. I love Butch even before he said, hey, man, my wife and I listened, and that was great. But you got to give the number out more. I don't even know there's any conceivable way I could give the number out more. I mean, and, and really, over there, I try to go really, if you guys noticed before, and if you've ever called in over there, I think some of you believe I hang up on you. But here's what I do. Like, I'll, I'll call and I'll say, um, you know, I'll request Saturday night. Uh, who's this? And you'll say your name and hey, this is what I like to hear. And then I hang it up right there because it keeps me from having to edit more on your call. And I try to squeeze all of these calls within an under very much so an under 20 second time frame. Most of the time I try to go really quick. And that's different because a lot of you hear it here and, and you get to come on and you'll talk and get to explain yourself. And with that, we just go really, really quick. Quick break. Speaking of which, we shall return. Duraco is going to drop in at the top of the hour. Not just here with the report date to training camp at Grand Park for the Colts coming up tomorrow, but the report dates around the AFC South and how it feels in Jacksonville to be the firm front runner. You know, once they figured out they had hired a clown and they got rid of the clown and then brought somebody in that knows what the hell they're doing, and has won a Super Bowl, the whole dynamic has changed to the positive in Jacksonville. Now, that is the organization everybody in the South is trying to track down. Talk to Duraco about that and more coming up at the top of the hour. When you hear a reentry song from Rick Springfield, the Hooters, maybe even Tommy Two-Tone, number nine is going to get tickets to go check them out in August at TCU Amphitheater. I promise that is going to be a fantastic show, and we'll give you a chance to win before 6 o'clock here. Listen to win, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Stand by, Stryker. We're going to the tower. Good luck. We're going to the tower. The tower? The tower? Rapunzel! and 107.5 The Fan James over there, I'm John, thank you for joining us Saw this earlier regarding former Colt Naheem Hines A significant knee injury off-site And he will miss the entire 2023 season This is from Tom Palisaro of NFL.com And Pelissaro goes on to explain the situation while sitting stationary on a jet ski. Naheem Hines was struck by another rider and sustained serious but non-life-threatening injuries. Hines will require surgery and will miss, again, the entirety of the 2023 season, and we'll see how the Bills handle it. 
because if you follow Andrew Brandt, Andrew Brandt, you know, had talked about it depends on how they feel like handling that. As to uh, not whether or not he gets paid. Uh, that is too bad. A jet ski accident for Naheem Hines. Pat writes this, everyone against signing Jonathan Taylor is following into the national media take on running backs. What else does Ballard have to hang his hat on? That right there is the beginning. Yes, not much else. He's overpaid a bottom of league old lineman, made Leonard the highest paid linebacker and not even sure he can play anymore. Listen to Butch sign Jonathan Taylor and that which is all Pat True, also with a very inexperienced quarterback, and not just this year, but for the foreseeable future, you are going to have to lean on what you have expected out of him when you traded up to draft him years ago, and that is a high level of production. Just got to. I know that's not the, the how the rest of the NFL works, but right now you're not the rest of the NFL, are you? Colts report coming up tomorrow. By the way, Anthony Richardson, his rookie contract is signed. Good to go. Talk about that with Mike DiRocco coming up at the top of the hour. This is from Jeff. I know you probably can't do it or maybe you will be able to eventually, but we need a pork pistols reentry. Uh, R.I.P. to, oh, I say our, because he is our good friend, Ron Sexton. You know him as Donnie Baker, who passed away on Friday. And I did want to give a shout-out to the Bob and Tom show, and specifically Tom Griswold and Drew Carey, who runs it over there, for allowing me. They actually sent me a bunch of of the stuff that uh, when I was over there, too, Ron did as far as local sports was concerned. It is just magnificent. But I want to thank them uh, for allowing that. But I I talked about Ron a little bit earlier and what, what Ron had meant to me uh, as a friend and a colleague for 23 years. And it was an incredibly sad Friday and a tough weekend and a tough weekend for a lot of people. I just wanted to tell you even more what you know Donnie Baker to be, what Ron Sexton was, was even more so talented than many of you ever thought including being an accomplished high school baseball coach in the state of Florida, which I don't think a lot of people actually knew. But, man, am I going to miss him. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Mike Garocco, top of the hour. Your chance to win some tickets, too. I'll explain that. you got to listen to win. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
The Ride with JMV. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And welcome back. Anthony Richardson in. Deal is done earlier today. Four years, 33.99 mil, fully guaranteed. Fifth-year team option on that deal. Uh, All first-round selections, I think, have that too, right? Uh, Juju Brents and Blake Freeland, cornerback and tackle, respectively, also deals done from that rookie class earlier today. A little AFC South conversation and then some from ESPN.com. He covers the Jaguars, but also the AFC South for ESPN.com. Mike DiRocco joins us. So now that you and Jacksonville are following the model AFC South organization, where do these expectations to start this season lie? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which sounds weird to say, but it's true. It depends on if you're talking the realistic people or the people who have a Super Bowl ring already kind well, of you, out. Well, you know me. <laughs> I want the incredibly unrealistic people take right here, Mike. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people here in the city, and I've even heard some media people talk about it, that, you know, the Jags should be able to be a team – uh, should be one of the teams in contention to be the number one seed in the AFC uh, and, and earn the bye. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Just me personally, I think that's a way, way, way high. Uh, that, that's too high. That's way too high. But, you know, you look at their schedule and, and you think, well, they've got the NFC South, and that's not a great division. And we know the state of the rest of the AFC South. Uh, it's not exactly one of the toughest divisions in football either. Um, so I think a lot of people are thinking that this is a 12, 13, 14 win team. I'm not among them. I think they will win the division, but realistic expectations for this team should be in that 10, you know, 11 win um, area, to be honest with you. If you look at the teams they beat at the end of the season last year, I mean, they had to beat uh, the new, they beat the New York Jets with, uh, Zach Wilson and a couple other guys uh, that they just basically pulled out of the stands to play quarterback. Uh, you know, they beat the Titans with Josh Dobbs at quarterback in that last game and needed a, a sack strip fumble in order to get it done. Um, you know, so it, it, this team didn't exactly roll a ton of people over at the end of the season last year. They did, you know, obviously come back and beat the the, the Chargers in the playoffs, but it's not a team that really logically – should be expected to be one of the two or three best teams in the AFC. So Mike DiRocco, ESPN.com, is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, it wasn't so long ago where there were incredible doubts regarding quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Where's the thought process about the, the short-term or the longer-term future of the, the Jaguars quarterback now? Yeah, it, October, there were still doubts. Yeah. <laughs> About him, to be honest with you, um, and legitimately so, there should have been. But right now, you know, Doug Peterson said, you know, and maybe this is partly him pumping him up a little bit too. But he thinks that Trevor's close to being a guy that could be included in the AFC elite group of quarterbacks with Burrow and um, you know Herbert and uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, if he does that, I mean, to do that, you got to win and you got to beat those guys. You know, he gets. Pat Mahomes in week two, he gets Joe Burrow on Sunday night football, or excuse me, Monday night football. He gets Lamar Jackson on Sunday night football. So, um, you know, the only thing I go back and look at is Doug Peterson in the second year with Carson Wentz 
turn Carson Wentz into the MVP. If Carson Wentz does not get hurt that year, late in that season, he wins the MVP. So we've seen what Carson Wentz has become since then and the kind of player he is. So, you know, you have to feel confident if you're a Jaguars fan or someone in the organization that Peterson is going to work the same kind of magic on Trevor, and all of a sudden he's going to have one of those seasons where his name could be mentioned as part uh, of the MVP conversation. Now, and if that's the case, then, yeah, maybe that 13-win thing is, is possible. But, uh, you know, the kid still has some stuff to, to, to do. He needs to start games fast. Uh, you can't go down 27-0 in some games uh, like they did against the Chargers in that playoff game. Can't throw four picks. Um, you know, he's had some issues in terms of being a little wild with the ball early in games and then kind of settles in. So, you know, he's got to get that taken care of. And once if he does all that and that offense takes off with the addition of Calvin Ridley, then, yeah, he could be in the MVP conversation. Uh, but we'll have to see. But the expectations are pretty high around uh, and, and that is a good segue from you, Mike, because a year ago, Kirk and Jones brought in. That certainly helped the offense, especially the early season, Christian Kirk, production-wise, that we saw. So where's the level of expectation after a year for bringing on board Calvin Ridley to this receiving core? Yeah, you know, Ridley – looks the part um he is athletic he's smooth he's very fluid he's got unbelievably quick feet he's got a reputation um as someone who's a very precise route runner route runner excuse me uh so you know it's pretty high in terms of what they're expecting out of him my thing is um we don't really know what the kid is going to do after a two-year layoff that's that it'll be 23 months between games for him when he plays in the season opener. That is a long, long time. We saw, and I know it's a different position, but we saw how Deshaun Watson really struggled in his return after taking a couple of years off. Uh, and again, that's quarterback. That's totally different. Um, but this kid has looked fantastic in OTAs and minicamp, and I'm really eager to kind of see what Ridley looks like once we get the pads on there. And if if he can give them – you know, Ridley in the spring was, was very emphatic in, in a news conference with us talking about I, I you know, had almost 1,400 yards receiving in 2020. I'm playing on a broken foot here. So if I can do that on a broken foot, it, 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 the sky's the limit for me now. Um, I don't know that, that uh, you know, 1,400 yards is realistic for him now, obviously. But, I mean, there's so many weapons on this offense that, you know, some guys are going to lose some targets because of, of his presence. But – you know what, if they're going to throw it around as much as Doug Peterson has hinted that they're going to, then maybe it's possible that Ridley and Kirk can still be 1,000-yard receivers, you know, and, and Zay Jones and, and Evan Ingram can be up around that 800-yard mark like they were last year. And if that's the case, then that offense will be rolling, and, and you know, Ridley will be a guy that uh, they'll either have to franchise or work out a long-term deal because you wouldn't be able to – you wouldn't want to let him go if, if he has that kind of season. And, and welcome to this modern era of NFL offense, which is something clearly the Colts are still trying to come to grips with. So, Yeah, it, it, it's crazy because if you would – I think we talked in the spring, pass rush. Pass rush is their number one need. It is the Jaguars' number one need. They didn't even – come close to touching Patrick Mahomes limping around on one foot in that playoff game. <laughs> they didn't They didn't take a pass rusher for the fifth round. And, and their first pick was an yep. offensive tackle. Their second-round pick was a tight end. Their third-round pick was a running back. You know, Doug Peterson's like, you know what, we'll score. We'll score a heck of a lot of points. 
if we have to score 30 to win some games, that's what we'll do. And, and you know, that is what you have to do to win in the NFL. You need the quarterback, and you need to be able to put up points, and you need to be able to put up points in a hurry, and they've got that all together at this point right now. Yes, uh, Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. There's a great deal of intrigue, certainly with the rest of the teams in the AFC South. A lot of new and freshness under center. I want to get to that in just a second, but is, is there an expectation that Jacksonville should be good enough this year to take care of business across the board, meaning sweep the AFC South because that's the start and that's that's the thought that that they used to have around here with the Colts that uh, certainly seems like those are memories that are very fleeting right now but is that the thought process that is growing now in Jacksonville regarding their own division yeah mainly because of the rookie quarterbacks um, obviously Uh, you know I, I don't think that's realistic to be honest with you last year they were playing the AFC uh West and there was no chance in my mind that they were beating any of the teams in the AFC West last year. So then they promptly go on the road, I think in week two and beat the chargers in San Francisco. And then they spot the Raiders a 17 zero lead and then rally and beat them here at home. So you, you can't, you can't count on that. So, you know, there's a lot of people here that do think they'll sweep the AFC South. They'll sweep the NFC South. Boom. That's, that's, you know, that, that, that during the playoffs, right then and there. That's all they really need to do. Um, you know, it's never going to be that easy. The, things never work out the way you expect them to. The schedule never plays out the way you expect them to. And, and let's be honest, we all know this. Teams are one, two injuries away from it all going in the toilet anyway. Um, so I, I would just be very stunned if they swept that division. Man, no doubt about that. What most interests you as far as the new and the freshness, especially under center, that we should see coming up this year in the South? Where do you begin your level of interest, Mike? Uh, I, really, it's, it's with Anthony Richardson. What, what is he going to be? What, what can he be, especially as a rookie? Um, we all know what a monumental task it is trying to play quarterback in the NFL, doing it as a rookie with his lack of experience, um, lack of, I guess, proficiency as a, in college as a passer. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it, who knows what, what, what you're going to get out of him. And that, to me, is kind of part of the fun of it. You know, because I don't think, at least down here, I don't feel like there's very high expectations or very many expectations of Anthony Richardson at all. Um, now, maybe in Indy, the, I don't know what the expectations are there, but when you've got a, a guy like that that, you know, in my mind, I'm not expecting a ton out of, um, you know, it, it's fun to watch and see what they can do. And and if he struggles this year, well, you know, I kind of thought he would struggle. Um, so, yeah, but it's it's a learning experience, and maybe he struggles, and then he comes back next year, and, and then he starts lighting it up. Because physically, he, he might be the most physically gifted quarterback Certainly in the AFC, um, you know, when you talk about athleticism and size and arm strength uh, and just pure athletic talent, I, I, I mean, finally somebody, you know, maybe Lamar, um, but he's younger than Lamar and Lamar and Lamar's, you know, got an injury history. So you always take the younger guy when you can there. So I just really can't wait to see him. We get, I get to see him, I'm assuming, in week one. I'm assuming he's going to be the starter from the second, uh, you know, 
the season begins. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I, I've I've said it it has to be because I don't want to sit here and explain why he's not ready. And I, I've said often, while a lot of people around here long for Gardner Minshew because they believe it's going to translate into more wins, I don't see it that way. To me, I see only a couple of reasons why you would see Gardner Minshew here. And both of those are bad. Either you know the ineffectiveness at the beginning of the season, or an injury at some point during the season. Neither of which any Colts fan wants to see. So I think fast track wise, you want to see him get in there in week number one and start taking those lumps and working his way into becoming what a lot of people hope that he's going to ultimately be. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Everybody that wants to see Gardner Minshew up there, Gardner Minshew beat the Colts in Week One in two thousand and what was that? Two thousand and twenty. Right? Yes. They didn't win a single game the rest of the year. <laughs> okay? I, so, yes. I mean, I don't know how much of a difference Gardner Minshew makes and how much of a better chance he gives you of winning um, a game over Anthony Richardson. Put the kid in. If he start, you got to know if he can handle it. You got to know if he can handle it mentally. And if you kind of baby him or you kind of. You know, try and guide him through it. Sink or swim. I mean, that is exactly what you have to do. If they, you, they need to know, and if he can handle it, great. And if he can't, now you got to figure some other things out. But better to know that as soon as possible than waiting and and babying him and then trying to figure it out in 2025 if he really can handle it. And I know, obviously, staked out down in in northern Florida there in in Jacksonville, you, you've seen a lot of of Anthony Richardson, which is cool because there's really not a lot to have seen so far regarding Anthony Richardson. But if there's one thing that you would believe is transferable, um, and maybe not even consistently, but transferable that we should watch for as a a starter, which everything is not going to be from his days in Gainesville, which were were few, to coming up here in in India and starting his quest as an uh, NFL-level quarterback, what's one thing that to you can be transferable from what you saw of him at Florida to the NFL game here in Indy? Uh, probably just the physical attributes, arm strength kind of stuff. And borderline consistently, too, I guess I should add. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a big kid. He's a big physical kid. He's a heck of a guy, an athlete. He can run around a little bit, and he's got a cannon arm. You know, and and those are the things that I think – you know, he shouldn't lose. Those are the things that he should be able to to rely on. Now, will he always throw it in the right spot? I don't think so. They never do. Um, Quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks never do. He's going to take his lumps. But, I mean, if he can just rely at times on those things and make a few plays here and there, then I think that's something that he can kind of put hang his hat on. Because playing quarterback in the NFL really isn't about playing quarterback when everything's perfect because it's never perfect, or I shouldn't say never. It's rarely perfect. You rarely do you drop back. It's a perfect pocket. No one's close to you. The receiver didn't get jammed at the line. He's in the right exact spot at the right moment. There's no linebacker in the way. There's no corner hanging on your guy. It's rarely like that. What happens is all hell's breaking loose. Things are breaking down. There's somebody in your face. You've got to move. You've got to dip a shoulder. You've got to run around. You've got to make a play and turn nothing into something. And his athleticism and arm strength and and physical tools should allow him to do that at times. And I think that's what he'll probably have to rely on, to be honest with you. I think that's what all rookie quarterbacks have to rely on. And and then as things get 
you know, as they progress, then, then they can start relying on their knowledge of the offense and, and while looking a safety off and, and recognizing coverages and stuff like that. But it's such a hard process that, uh, you know, he's going to struggle at times, but, you know, he's got those physical gifts, and I just can't wait to watch him play. I, I would imagine the uh, the playbook offensively may be about as in-depth as when I used to play NFL 95 and called the QB <laughs> waggle every play, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, this, this better not be one of those six-inch thick ones. Um, you know, you just I, – I don't like the term dumb it down because that's not really what it is, but – dumb it down a little bit. I mean, simplify it. You know, you find out what he's comfortable with. You find out the things that he's um, confident in, and you find out the plays he likes and the plays he feels comfortable running both sides, you know, whatever. But don't ask him to do the stuff that he's not comfortable with because that's taking uh, away the instinct. That's taking away the athleticism because now he's thinking all the time. Just try and give him the set of plays that he feels the best at that works for the offense and just kind of work off of that. And I think that's, you know, they're smart enough. NFL coaches are generally smart enough. Uh, you know, the egos get in the way sometimes, to be honest with you, but most of those guys are smart enough that, that they'll figure that out. And, and, you know, you just hope for Richardson's sake that there's a lot of stuff he's comfortable with and it's not just, you know, a handful of things. It's Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com. We're talking AFC South. Uh, Colts report officially coming up tomorrow. Get after it as of Wednesday. Uh, we all have, and I don't know if that includes you, but at least me and we around here have thoughts about a Tennessee team that may have some expectations in Nashville, but I, I don't know how reality-based these expectations will be. What do you expect uh, in your own sight out of the team in Nashville? coming up this year yeah here's the thing for me i probably have a little bit higher opinion of the titans maybe than a lot of people down here but mike vrabel is a very very good coach he is one of the better coaches in the nfl and his teams are tough and his teams are generally pretty smart um you know look they lost what was it five in a row going into the uh the game against the jags in the season finale last year if if Ryan Tannehill plays that game against Jacksonville, they win the division. I'm, I'm firmly convinced that they beat the Jags here because that turnover doesn't happen at the end. They win the division. The Jags don't make the playoffs. And, and the whole offseason is totally different for both teams, uh, completely different. You know, Derrick Henry, I keep thinking, you know, Derrick Henry's got a lot of mileage and he's getting close to 30 and eventually he's going to drop off. And then he never does because he's a machine. So, They'll be tough. They'll be smart defensively. They'll be tough offensively. They'll be able to run the ball a little bit. You know, Hopkins will help them for sure. Um, you know, so I, I kind of expect it to be a Jags-Titans battle for the division. Uh, and that's one of the other reasons why I don't think the Jags are going to be one of those automatic, you know, 12-13 win teams. The Titans always give them trouble. Yeah, they swept them last year, one in, in Nashville for the first time since 2013. But do it again. Do it consistently. This team hasn't won, hasn't had, uh, hasn't won division in back-to-back years since '98, '99. You know, it's been I think since 2004, five or five, six that they've had back-to-back winning seasons. So let, let's pump the brakes on the, the dynasty of the Jaguars right now because I do think the Titans are the team that's going to give them the trouble, the most trouble in the division. Uh, Stroud in Houston, how, how are they going to handle that? Maybe compare how they plan on handling that in Houston to that of how they plan on handling Anthony Richardson here. 
Yeah, you know, obviously Stroud is probably is much further advanced in terms of, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, proficiency as a quarterback. He certainly did all and everything you possibly could do there at Ohio State. Um, runs the offense, you know, was experienced in the offense. He was a but multi-year starter, Heisman candidate. I mean, this kid, this kid is light years ahead in terms of being a quarterback. Uh, I think than Anthony Richardson. So you just turn him over and and you just say, here we go. We're a young team. We got a few pieces here for you. Uh, let's go. Let's get you going. Let's try and get you as experienced as possible, and let's steal a couple of games here and there. And then we'll grow with you. Um, and that's obviously, you know, what the Jaguars did with, with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, put him in there. He's got all this, you know, experience. He's got, uh, you know, the physical tools just as, as Stroud does. You know, you know, get him in there and, and just let him take the lumps and find out if they can handle it. And I think that's the best thing for them to do with Richardson, like I said. And obviously they're going to do it with Stroud. You know, I, I think – he, he's probably going to have a little bit more um, leeway, I think, than, than what you'll see maybe with Richardson. Um, but I think his, his, I guess, book of knowledge, I think, is a little bit bigger, a little bit deeper than what you'll see from Richardson. So I like Stroud. Um, I probably would have taken Bryce Young if I were in the Panthers' position too. But, you know, after that, Stroud you know, I thought was the second best guy. So we'll see how it plays out. To Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon, I'm assuming a lot more conversations coming up between us. Uh, when do you officially get back to business here? Uh, that's report tomorrow. First practice is Wednesday at 840. Right there with us then. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the expectations down in Jacksonville. We got the realistic ones and the not so realistic ones, which we like a lot better than the realistic ones around here. So, <laughs> <laughs> way more fun to talk about, right? Yeah, no doubt about that. Mike, I appreciate that. We'll check back in very soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. There is a lot to go through right there. Yeah, no doubt. Is pretty interesting stuff across the board. Report date for the Colts tomorrow. And then officially underway with practice on Wednesday. And, of course, I think I get into August before I'm out there. Those are those two later in the evening practices. And I'll be out there with you guys for those. And uh, should be exciting. Hey, by the way, too, I didn't mention this. Three times this week you can join me. Are you ready? So that's coming up on Wednesday at uh, Union Jack in Broad Ripple with the Indy 11 on Wednesday. And then coming up on Thursday, it is our annual smoke-off, me and Mike Wells for charity at Sullivan Hardware and Garden at 71st and Keystone right there. So we're going to smoke lavish meats and you can join us, drop by, and you can try it yourself. But the winner of the Judge Smoke Off, um, we will donate funds to our favorite charity. And, of course, mine is that of Teacher's Treasures. Our annual Smoke Off on Thursday. That's Sullivan Hardware and Garden on 71st and Keystone. And our Tavern Tour stop. You guys been to the Rook before? We are going to the Rook on Friday. 
with Brent Halverson, our betting analyst in Heaven Hill Distillery at the Rook on Friday. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on the road, all opportunities for you to join me. I told the story before. I did not work at the one in Broad Ripple. But when I'm going to be at the Union Jack in Broad Ripple on Wednesday, I did back in 19, what was this, 1990? 1990, I had a short-lived gig at the former Union Jack in Speedway. Very incredibly, for really good reason, short-lived. But... Union Jack in Broad Ripple with the Indy 11. That is coming up on Wednesday. Sullivan Hardware and Garden for our smoke-off with Mike Wells. Uh, For me to benefit Teacher's Treasures coming up on Thursday, Sullivan Hardware and Garden. And the Rook Tavern Tour Stop with Heaven Hill Distillery and Brent Halverson coming up on Friday. Not one, not two, but three opportunities for you to join us coming up later on this week. And we would love to see you at all of them. But love to see you at any one that you can make Wednesday and Thursday and Friday of this week. Quick break. We'll come back. Somebody's got Rick Springfield, the Hooters, and Tommy Two-Tone tickets to get when you hear a re-entry from any of those artists. Cue to calls number nine. That show's coming to the TCU Amphitheater in August, and it will be an absolute blast. I will tell you this. If you don't know the music of the Hooters, a Philadelphia band, they rarely, if ever, play here. They play often in Germany because evidently they're very popular in Germany. Uh, and we dance day by day and maybe one of the better songs of the 1980s that is rarely heard, All You Zombies, is the work of the Hooters. That should be fun coming up at TCU Amphitheater. Your chance to get tickets for free for that coming up as well. Listen to win. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. It's a useful four-letter word, and you're full of it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right. Email jmv at 107.5thefan.com. JMV, I really think you need to break your streak of not going to the theater to see Oppenheimer. It might be three hours, but it is spectacular. All right. Three hours is way too long. Way too long for me to make my return to a movie theater. Am I really missing out on something that great? Who else out there has seen Oppenheimer? I think between that and Barbie, everybody was flocking to local theaters this weekend. You know, it's weird. The theater experience has changed so much and you would expect it to considering i haven't been inside one in over 20 years i think what year this is 24 this is year 24 (laughs) incredible that i have not been three-hour movie in oppenheimer i don't know I don't know if that's going to get done or not. You may have a better chance, seriously, you may have a better chance convincing me having, uh, what's her name in Barbie? Margot. Margot Robbie. Which that won't happen either. Three hours.
hours is lengthy. I can do three hours at home and it can be okay. But man, can you imagine once that thing gets on, for example, like Sundance? Once that gets on Sundance or IFC, that thing's going to take like nine hours to complete. IFC will turn the fugitive into like a four and a half hour quest with the commercials in there. More power to them. All right, 239-1070. I mentioned all the chances you have to be out with us coming up later on this week. Hey, don't miss out. We're going to have a blast. From the Union Jack and Broad Ripple on Wednesday, Sullivan Hardware and Garden, our annual smoke-off with Mike Wells on Thursday. And the Rook. Did you know I have never been to the Rook Tavern Tour Stop with Brent Halverson and Heaven Hill Distillery coming up on Friday? Bill's at 239-1070. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, Jan Vies, Bill. How you doing, man? Billy. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing you guys on Wednesday. I was, uh, I was at the last... Uh, uh, barbecue uh, cook-off and everything, oh, and yeah. it was it was it was wire to wire. But I remember that's Thursday. That's Thursday, right? The Thursday at Sullivan, Wednesday at Union Jack. It'll be obvious. Well, I'm just gonna go to both of them and everything. Just, so yeah, just go to all of them. Just life. go to all of them. Go to the Rook on Friday too, because you know what happens when Brent Halverson's around. The free samples flow, so everybody's got to be for that. And you're gonna get to eat a lot of nicely, finely, incredibly smoked meats on Thursday at Sullivan Hardware and Garden. And then who knows what's going to happen at Union Jack on Wednesday, one of my favorite places. Going to be a blast this week, Bill. So just go to them all, every one. Just, just go to every one of them. And, and, and I just want to say that uh, uh, I wanted to mention something I thought was kind of disturbing and everything. Yes. It's more of an anything goes uh, a topic, but I don't want to bring it up anyway. Uh, Ruhawk Mortgage, uh, the music center, uh, possibly going to be torn down, uh, going to be demolished because the real estate is uh, worth too much and they want to do some more uh i have not heard i have not heard that is that true where do we see well, that that's a, that's that's a rumor that i heard from two different people but you know you know the people i hang out with i, I can't it's imagine crazy. that life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. For a single moment. The real estate, I can imagine how expensive that real estate is up there now, but that is such an incredible staple up there and for fun for one and all to have, I, I haven't heard that rumor to be honest, but I haven't and, been and listening yet, for it. And, and the hook that this guy told me was that the, that the, the venue then would be uh, taken down to an expanded TCU down on White River, you know, down down there, and that that's going to be like the next big venue. Well, I, I do love. I will say this too. I do love TCU. TCU being centrally located here uh, downtown, and then what they have done to revamp the venue is is incredible. But uh, I have not heard that first rumor, but I certainly know the greatness of TCU as well. So I just the more the merrier, hopefully. I certainly hope not. From Union Jack all the way uh, to the end of the week, man, let's do it. Got to get there, Billy. Thank you very much. Union Jack coming up on Wednesday. Man, Union Jack, they still crank out that pizza like crazy, that the deep dish. When I had that job at Union Jack and Speedway, my first gig there is I made the dough. <laughs> I was doughboy. So I go back and they had me with flour and water 
and they use, I don't know if they still use that, the whole roller thing that you put the dough through and it flattens it out. It might have been the messy experience, the messiest experience ever. They just put me back there. I did not see anybody forever. You're back in the dough room. Yeah, Brett writes this, brutal injury to a friend of the show, uh, Naheem Hines. That was horrible to see. It's horrible to see, and it's going to be interesting to see how Buffalo financially handles it. It being a non-football related, and you hate to think about it in this these terms, but uh, ultimately you have to. A jet ski accident where evidently Naheem was sitting stationary on his and somebody collided with him. Serious injury, not life-threatening, but serious injury, which has uh, sidetracked him for the entire season. And it'll be interesting to note what my lie ahead for uh, Naheem Hines. Uh, That is absolutely brutal. No question about that. Eric's next at 239-1070. Eric, hello. JMB, a couple of things. I hated to hear about Ron, and I just wanted to share with you. I thought you knocked it out of the park on the Indy Radio page about Mr. Lang. And oh, I thank you. Thank you for, yeah. I wanted to thank you for that. And, and let me, let me yeah, thank you, Eric, too, for that. I, Mark Lang uh, was an owner of radio stations, small market radio stations in southwestern and western Indiana. Uh, he was also an instructor, longtime instructor at Vincennes. And I have said this before, um, I and he passed away uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, Eric. And when right. I spent two years at Vincennes, I learned as much about what I was going to and should expect in the world of radio in the state of Indiana from him than I learned from anybody. And that's not that's not a, a slap at those others that have instructed me, but he was like me because he loved local radio so much. I mean, it oozed out of him, and I had you know, such a great deal of enthusiasm built by just being around him. It really did help me become and be a part of what I have been a part of for the better part of 20 plus years around here and I owe him a great deal and I was sorry to see that he passed away. Yeah, I was too. I wanted you to know that services will be on Saturday and I didn't know if you were aware of that. Down in Vincennes? Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, At at 1030 at the St. John's Church of Christ. Well, uh, please give everybody down there our, our thoughts and I try to convey just how much Mark meant to me and I know that he has to others as well going through that communications program down at Vincennes. But seriously, I mean, my, my love for local radio, and especially I have a deeply rooted love for for smaller market radio because it is just such, um, is such a community information-oriented type of deal, which I think has always been and always will be incredibly important. And that all got started thanks to Mark Lang. He had told me a story, if I could share with you real quick. He indicated to me one time that, I don't know if it's true, but he said he showed Emma's Corporation how to automate the Colts games. I found that interesting. That's how, <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> no, whether that's a, a true story or not, but that's what he told me, and I thought I'd had to share that with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, anyway, he was he was a, a great dude, great dude for me and many others that uh, certainly love the world of broadcasting and radio today. And uh, we're sad about his passing, but you know what he brought to me will. Uh, will remain with me for the rest of my life. And that was really important to me. Always will be. Before you go, you're carrying on the legacy of both of these gentlemen, my friend, with uh, your great sports talk and what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that, Eric. Thank you very much. I do. Thank you, Eric. I I think about that in terms, too. Uh, Dave Sabini taught me at Indiana State in, in broadcasting. And Dave Sabini was incredibly important in my life, too. And I know a lot of you out there that attended Indiana State and you did broadcasting over in Terre Haute know of the legend of Dave Sabini. And and he and Mark Lang, uh, along with John Hitchcock at Vincennes, too, probably, uh, as far as teaching ability, gave me as much as I have right now for a love of wanting to be a part of the community in which I work and broadcast. And it's always been so important to me. And it is certainly thanks to those gentlemen. Uh, Stephen, before the breaks at 239-1070. Hello, Stephen. Hey, earlier a guy called in was talking about they were going to shut down Ruoff. Yes. And I used to work downtown at the at the river, and we'd get the employee newsletters. And Ruoff is, is fairly consistently the number one venue for Live Nation as far as that, that style of venue goes. So it would be highly I, – I, I wouldn't see it at any point where it would it would make them more money to sell the I, land than to, than to keep milking the cow. And and I kind of consider myself a bit of a man about town, and I have not heard one ounce of that. So that's kind of right. where I am with that. Stephen, go ahead. And on a sports-related yes. note, go Pacers. I'm ready for the season. <laughs> Stephen, thank you very much. I think a lot of Pacer fans would agree with you. Speaking of which, the Dizzy runs up next to Ruoff. I think it's going on tonight and then tomorrow night as well at uh, Mojo Up, up in Noblesville. I believe tomorrow night, Tyrese Halliburton and Obi Toppin are going to be a part of it. Or at least that's what I saw Tyrese Halliburton tweet over the weekend. Those are the Dizzy runs at Mojo Up in Noblesville, which is right next to Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Matt Painter will serve as his assistant coach on the USA Basketball Men's Select Team. That was announced a little bit earlier today. Got to get Matt Painter back on the show at some point. It's been too long. Quick break, and we'll come back. Final time, your chance to win. Yeah, speaking of venues, TCU Amphitheater, the side in August for what is going to be a great 80s show with one band that it is tough to pin down, certainly locally, that you probably will get the chance to see for the first time. I'll explain. Get your chance to win coming up on the other side. Busy show. We'll recap that. Get you set for tomorrow as well. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, crank this up really quick, James. This is the musical stylings of Paul Young right here. I've seen Paul Young before. He's really good. Paul Young, Tommy Two-Tone, the Hooters, and Rick Springfield, August the 5th. That's a Saturday night. So that will be in competition with me on the JMV Takeover. 
And uh, that is going to be over at the uh, TCU Amphitheater. Is that correct? Which should be outstanding. That is 80s right there. Rick Springfield has been around a lot. Rick Springfield uh, has been here a couple of times. Last time he was here, remember our friends at Damar Services had their annual uh, gala. I think that was in February, maybe March. And Loverboy, who was here this past Friday night with Foreigner on their farewell tour, um, Loverboy was set to play that. Reno, Mike Reno, the lead singer, got sick. They couldn't make it. And at the last minute, Damar pulls in Rick Springfield. He flies to town and puts on just a hellaciously awesome show. Rick Springfield, Paul Young, Tommy Two-Tone, and the Philadelphia band, The Hooters. I will promise you an outstandingly awesome time for that one. Leonard's a winner here. Hey, Leonard, you like all those aforementioned 80s bands? Like all of them. What's your favorite? Rick Springfield, the Hooters, Paul Young, or Tommy Two-Tone? What you got? Rick Springfield, probably. Gotcha, buddy. I appreciate that. Well, enjoy that. Leonard's number nine. Leonard's going to go to the show. And again, August the 5th down at TCU, and you can get your tickets right now or – you know, you can go ahead and try to win those bad boys each and every day for the rest of the week right here. That is going to be an outstanding show. And in fact, I've heard a number of concert promos that ran uh, Sublime, I just think, ran. That's going to be a good one, too. I think Incubus ran a little bit earlier. That's going to be outstanding. We told you years ago, it's not like it was some incredibly original thought-provoking piece of information, but we told you everybody in the world was going to be out, and it's probably a bit, if if you're going to ask the folks um, that, that do the scheduling and such, we talked about how everybody, especially we got this far past the pandemic episode, would be out on the road, and everybody is indeed out on the road, which... You know, it can be difficult in terms of you, you know, making sure that you divide up that disposable income to go to shows. And that's where we come in. So we can give you the possibility to go to shows where maybe you weren't going to have the finances to do absolutely everything. But you call in and you win and you go and see Rick Springfield, the Hooters, Tommy Two-Tone and Paul Young. And you do that on us. That's where we come in. Always trying to help with that each and every day right here. Great job, James. Thank you very much. Yeah, my thanks to Mike DeRocco of ESPN.com. Colts report coming up tomorrow. I think both uh, Kev and Jake will be up there tomorrow morning for that. And a little bit earlier as well, a little conversation we had with Lance McAllister of 700 WLW. Big one starts tonight in Milwaukee with the Reds and the Brewers. And uh, our thoughts are still with the family of our friend, Ron Sexton. Always thinking about you, Ron. Always. Back with you tomorrow with three. 93.5 and 107.5 The Family.